All right, we're live. Welcome to Live and Let's Discuss, where we discuss one of the worst James Bond movies ever made. A View to a Kill, 1985? Yep. Uh, Roger Moore's final outing as Bond, and it was one too many. Mm -hmm. Classic broccoli mess up classic like with sean connery with his previous film diamonds are forever they had one too many bond movies but this time we didn't have a novel to go off of because there aren't any novels left we went off of a short story called from a view to a kill which we talked about a few episodes ago in for your eyes only it's in that in that bond is basically on a motorcycle chasing smash agents and that's it so needless to say none of that happens in uh, a view to a kill instead we get microprocessors and silicon valley and the incredibly m miscast oh his name's escaping me right now Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. I I kept wanting to say Mark Wahlberg because Michael Processes and uh, The Departed, huh. which I'd rather watch The Departed than this. So yeah, this is one of the biggest messes that a James Bond movie has ever been. Mm -hmm. It's so shockingly bad so shockingly incompetent it would take until the daniel craig era to actually make something worse mm -hmm. oh so you say this is even worse than diana of a day i don't know i think it is Ooh. i'm not sure we'd have to watch die another day that's going to be in a few episodes i think they're equal in how bad they are mm-hmm so first they, of, they, they are in the same category for sure. Yeah, they're nonsense movies. First of all, we got to talk about Roger Moore. Again, this has been a thing we've been talking about for since Moonraker, I think. He's just too old to be Bond at this point. And he was on a single... He was on... He didn't have a contract anymore. He uh, was on a film-to-film -film basis. And he, he kept just doing these for the fans, but he made the mistake of getting a facelift that made him look older. Yep. Which is... And we have to point it out because it's visually so obvious when you watch the movie and you're just like, what is wrong with Roger's face? Something just doesn't fit. Yeah, and the thing is, Roger Moore didn't need to have a facelift. No, actually... no, this is something we talked about in the last two episodes. For your eyes only and Dr. Pussy, he's older, you can tell, but the movies were clever about it, and he was still in good enough shape and looked good enough where it's like, okay, I can accept this. He, he did the Hollywood thing, got a facelift, it actually made him look older. It did the reverse of what it was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But I guess he's doing his own some of his own stunts in this movie? What? Some How did it, you get that idea? Some of it, like, he did some of the underwater stuff for close-ups, and it's clearly him. Huh. That's That was weird. There's a lot of weirdness in here, also. The, most of the stuff, you can see the stuntmen, and you can see they don't well, look the, like the, Roger at all. Stuff, yes. Oh, yeah, when, with the car chase, yeah, that's a stuntman. They don't even try to hide they it? They don't try. No, I was thinking of when he goes into the tube and he's getting sucked in. Those close-ups, that's Roger Moore. Hmm. They actually put him underwater because I think of For Your Eyes Only where that's clearly not underwater. Like any, any sort of close-ups of Roger Moore, it's clearly a blue screen. And, and like... Uh, a freaking like snowblower blowing his hair to make it look like. 
Um, yeah, it's oh lord, everything is bad in this yeah. movie. I, I'm actually trying to think, so let's go I, through it. The acting is bad, the story is bad, the movie looks bad, the action is bad. Yes, I guess the only good thing we can say is the soundtrack, and even then. I don't think it's nearly as good as it should be. This is John Barry again, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. His second to last, because I think Living Daylights is his last out. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's so weird. So Duran Duran does the song. I mean, after this this movie because of the Duran Duran song. But it's so... The the opening's fine. It's very 80s. Like the... Not the opening, the, uh, the credits. Oh, the credits, credit sequence specifically because we have to talk about the opening scene. Well, the opening scene is where we have yet another ski chase to the Beach Boys. Isn't that After hilarious? He finds a de another dead double O agent. Mm -hmm. And it leads to several wacky hijink scenes of people like falling into water, people getting covered in snow. I think a flare gets shot into a helicopter in this. But here's the thing it's so interchangeable with other ski Roger Moore skiing scenes that I can't distinguish it. The only from... memorable thing, funny enough, is the Beach Boys song. Yeah. It's and, and, the end, and the end of it, because we get into uh, a very fake looking submarine that's disguised as a rock. Yeah. And, and we end with a very, 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 very old looking Roger Moore. Uh, smooching a woman who looks like she could be his great-granddaughter. <laughs> yes. And then, then we go into the Duran Duran credits. Yeah, that's when we get your fa your most favorite, you know, opening, when the woman is opening like her. It's iconic. It, it's what I think of, I think of 80s Bond is that. Yeah. Best part. It's all, it's all uh, neon and lights it's wonderful it's mm -hmm. one of my faves it's the only time i'll say a view to a kill has my favorite anything yep it's so shocking how bad this movie is mm -hmm. so basically after this great opening song and sequence it just falls apart right away oh yeah like... and what i noticed because with octopusy i think we mentioned it the plot is like a mystery at first, where mm -hmm. we don't really know what's happening, and we discover it along the way, and it makes sense. Like this, like how it sets up the story with the clown running through the forest, being chased. Yes. And how that, how that's awesome. And in this one, Bond finds the information in the pre-credits scene. Okay, easy. And then the next scene is just okay. This is what we found, and then just hardcore exposition, and go there and do this. Mm -hmm. And it, that's just lame in comparison, but also on its own. And Christopher Watkins, our villain, he's a billionaire who was German. He was like East German and then Russian, which he I became a KGB agent or something. Which it kind of feels like something Smash would have done in a one of the Bond books. Like it kind of felt like, oh god, what was his name? The 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 guy Bond fights at the end of From Russia with Love. Red Grant? Yes, it felt like Discount Red Grant. Hmm. And uh, But he's he's a billionaire. He has horses. He's called Max Zorin. And I like that. At, in the, I think it's at the openings. There's like a little text saying uh, it's not intended for the Zorin Corporation in this movie to reassemble any real life thing. Yeah, I think they got sued. Mm -hmm. because I don't remember that being a thing. I think that's on recent releases that they put that on there. 
which is really funny. Um, the Bond, everything is off here. All right, like I can't stress that enough because honestly, we could just go on about every sort of plot detail in this, but I don't think it's worth it. It's such a flippin' mess. Um, the none of the Bond girls act properly. Like they're all. Roger Moore has no chemistry with anyone in this, and that's. Yeah, I mean, I disagree. He has chemistry with his right-hand man. Oh, Remember the guy? Yes. Who's pretending to be his butler, and they are actually a fun duo. Yeah, that that's true. But, like, the American CIA agent that's not Felix Leiter? Oh, um, the Asian one who gets murdered yeah. later on? Yeah, no chemistry with him. No chemistry with any of the Bond girls. Where they're of Three, right? There's the main blonde, there's the Russian agent, and there's Mayday. Mayday. Which, oh god, what was her name? I can't remember that actress's name. Let me check, let me double check. Because this was her, literally, like, the peak of her career. is Grace in, Jones. Grace Jones, who dated Dolph Lundgren, who Dolph Lundgren's in this movie. Yeah, he gets a cameo. Which I think is hilarious. Because it's a pre-Rocky Four, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> he looks super young. <laughs> but should we just talk about the details or just give a quick summary of what the plot is? Because that's very easy, actually. Quick if summary we... of the plot, and we'll just get into some of these weird. Then we can discuss all the little scenes. But yeah, uh, the plot is essentially Goldfinger, but instead yeah. of gold, it's microchips. Yes. Basically, and... Zorin wants to destroy Silicon Valley and all microchips so that his own microchips become more valuable, yes. which I don't even know if that made sense back then. I don't think it does now. It doesn't make any sense. It never made any sense. And it's the worst aged Roger Moore, or just James Bond plot in general, which all James Bond movies age, obviously. Yeah. But still, they feel the, the ones from the 50s still feel like Oh, this I can believe this uh, could have happened in the fifties or sixties or whatever. This one is like, oh, this is so eighties, and you yeah. can tell, and it doesn't work, and it doesn't hold yeah. up. The only, well, it makes me wonder with the Craig movies, how well like Quantum of Solace will age over the whole. That one's all about like the oil. Yeah, and Spectre was all about what was hot at the time, 2015, you know, uh, the government, everyone is everyone is being watched and stuff. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's weird. Bond movies, they, they always try to be kind of timeless. I mean, there's no way of being 100% timeless. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be hampered by what was the high tech of the time. Yeah, but most Bond movies try to be somewhat clever with it? Yeah. There's a handful that don't. Moonraker's one of them. Yeah. Moonraker does, it didn't age well. This actually waged worse than Moonraker, which I didn't think was possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Moonraker has like, what was it? 1979? Yeah. So it's like space travel and stuff. So it's like, yeah, okay, you know what? That That's fine. In that era, okay. But here, it's just... No. Yeah. Also, Bond's back using the Walther PPK for no reason. Hmm. No reason. I'm sorry. These men, these Bond... These guys that play James Bond, they're too big to be using a gun that small. It's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. At least the Walther P5 was like a 9mm and actually fit in Roger Moore's hand properly. <laughs> Although they call it a PPK and Octopussy, and that drove me nuts. It's not the same shape. Oh my... We're about to have another gun rant. <laughs> yeah, we, we shouldn't. Let's just move on. There's enough other stuff to talk about. Okay, uh, so general plot, it's just Goldfinger, but stupid, with microchips, hardcore 80s. 
it could have worked because I think the general plot is like bad guy wants to destroy this to help yeah. his own business. It's okay. That's fine. And we even get like a scene very similar to Goldfinger in the blimp, which that's the yeah, one that's moment cool. I like because that's just a nice reveal. Uh, when Zorin is revealing his plan and one yes. of the guys is like, I don't feel comfortable supporting you. I want to leave. And Zorin is like, all right, go out. And then he, you know, gets killed because they are in a blimp as we yeah. at the end of that scene and he falls down. Falls to his death. Yeah, so that's one nice moment. This is also the only Bond movie to be filmed in San Francisco. Hmm. San Francisco before it got really nasty. <laughs> it's only semi-nasty. I think that's what this movie is also famous for with the climax taking place on the bridge. Yeah, the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, that's what anyone remembers from it. Yeah. No and one I, remembers anything else from this movie. Is there any other location? in? Oh, I guess there is when they're at this horse ranch or whatever it is. This French yeah. place? Yes, it's in Europe. It's a big mansion where they're putting microchips in horses to make them win. I still don't understand this plot. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me either. This They're is using also... microchips to make to make the horses go faster. That's when we get the uh, Allison duty from Last Crusade shows up. We oh yeah, that's that's her. I just rewatched Last Crusade last night actually. Yeah, she's great, mm-hmm. great actress. Um, I wish she had more to do, except for drown and hold a gun once. Isn't her name, isn't she the famous Jenny Flex, or is that someone else? Yes. Yes, and there's a, there's a couple others, but they aren't named, but they are, they have the same, like, role as, like, Zorn's bodyguards. Mm. They're all dressed like horse jockeys all the time, for some reason. Mm. But they actually hold, uh, General Gogol at gunpoint. Who's That's, also in this movie. Again, his obligated cameo. Yeah, and he's joined by Dolph Lundgren. Mm. In a very early cameo for Dolph Lundgren. Who says nothing, which is good because that man cannot act. Mm-hmm. But I, he was in here because I, I believe he was still dating Grace Jones at the time. Yep, that's the story. She just dragged him to set. Yeah, and she she is just doing the weirdest acting in this movie. Yeah, let's let's address the elephant in the room, the two main villains. And I say main villains because I don't think Mayday, the character, is supposed to be a henchman. But Grace Jones' presence is so overwhelming that she takes the top spot. She's on the poster. Uh-huh. Instead of Christopher Walken. So well, she was a big deal at the time. This yeah, is like, which is why they got her stunt casting. Which I can't remember if this is before or after the second Conan movie. Cuz she's in that um one of the better aspects because her acting so bizarre in that movie. I I laugh at just about everything she says. But she, she and uh, Christopher Walken have weird karate sex. That's the thing in this. Where he kind of assaults her, but she's into it. That yeah, scene pretty never rough. made sense. And then, and then she ends up sleeping with Bond, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, that that was an intentional joke that worked with his age and stuff, I guess. Yeah, that's the only one of those that works because there, there's the Russian agent later, which should have been uh, what's her face from? Oh, Anya from Spy Who Loved Me. Spy Who Loved Me, which is a common thing that I've heard a lot of people say is it should have been her. I think it was supposed to be her, but I couldn't get the actress. I don't know if that's true, but it, I mean, it would make sense. Yeah. Um, where Bond switches the tapes. We gotta talk about the other thing that is iconic 
in this movie, which is Bond breathes out of a tire. Mm. And it's only iconic because Mythbusters remembered it and they tried to find out if that actually works. So they submerged the car in the swimming pool. And they tried to breathe out of the tire underwater and it didn't work. Oh. That's after the goofy horse chase. Mm-hmm. Which I don't even want to talk about. Because it's so stupid. Yeah, so basically, first half, there's a bunch of stuff with horses that goes nowhere, and I don't know how it connects to the main plot. Again, it's just... But Bond is Sinjin Smythe. Hmm. But that's both that's, his last that's kind of That's kind of fun. Him pretending to be Smythe. Yes. It's just terrible, and I hate hearing the name Sinjin Smythe. Because it's just a terrible name. It's bad. I'm sorry if your name is Sinjin Smythe. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, but that's also when we get the famous scene. Uh, Christopher Walken is talking to Bond, and Bond is pretending like he wants to buy a horse. Context doesn't matter. Um, and Walken... He has like a he's on his desk and he has like a scanner or something on Bond. Yes. And he's doing stuff on his computer because it's the 80s. He has computers. You know, and he's seeing like he has the gun, right? And he's Googling, oh, this is uh, James Bond 007. Mm-hmm. Aged, it aged gracefully. Scenes like that. Well, I mean, like, better Bond movies, like Living Daylights, have similar things with computers. Yeah, but I would say, like, Living Daylights, we talked about this, the two Dalton movies, very 80s, but Uh they aged well in that regard. They were written better. Yeah. That's, That's the whole thing. So this is John Glenn again, directing. And it is screenplay by Richard Maybaum, you know, as who wrote most of the Bond movies, you know, the established guy and Michael G. Wilson also. So it's, it's basically the same team as always, but something must have happened. Like, well, is, when did Cobble Broccoli die? Oh no, that's after, after this one, way after this one, he died after Goldeneye was released, I think, or during the production or something. I thought he died during the Dalton era. Oh, no, 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 he was still alive during that. Didn't someone die during the Dalton era? Um, no, I don't remember. Okay, I can't, I just can't remember my Dalton facts. They're so close to, I'd rather talk about Living Daylights, because it's just a better... We will get to it, but we have to suffer through this first. But yeah, so... This is the question. Why is this movie so bad? Why is it such a mess? We have the same writers as always, basically. We have a good composer who does a good work. We have this John Glenn back as director. And all his previous movies. We got For Your Eyes Only and Octopussy. Two great movies. Mm -hmm. And his following movies are really good, really well made, too. I think everyone phoned it in. Yeah, because... That that must be it because this movie feels so low energy. Uh-huh. It, you know what it feels like? It feels like Diamonds Are Forever. Yes. Yes. I was I was thinking that watching it. It reminds it's I think it's also because it has it's located mostly in America. Mm-hmm. And that's just lame for the Bond franchise. It looks better than Diamonds because Diamonds is out in the desert. Yeah. But it, I wouldn't say this movie's re- super ugly, but it feels uninspired, like mm-hmm. with the cinematography and stuff. Oh, and yeah. More finally feels just too old. Mm-hmm. The the main Bond girl is terrible. Yep. Yeah. What's so, the name? Uh... Tanya Roberts. Yeah, Donna's mom from that 70s show, also known as I'm Gonna Blow a Vocal Cord Constantly. I don't know if there's ever been a Bond girl that screamed James 
as much as she does over everything. When they're in the burning elevator, she's just screaming and shit. I'm like, you're going to pass out. Oh, <laughs> that that famous scene. That's also when we get not Sheriff Pepper, who should have been Sheriff Pepper. It's, oh, I wish it had been J.W. Pepper. I would have liked this movie a lot more. <laughs> That's where we are at right now. Yeah. I would have taken anything. There's no Felix Leiter. There's no J.W. Pepper. Instead, we get an uh, Asian CIA agent who's murdered brutally. And we get Bond's butler guy, who was fun, but they got he rid was. of him very quickly. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame. So I think it's just most of the characters in here suck. Yeah. The Bond gadgets suck. Oh, remember when he's on in like uh, Soren's party and he's wearing these gigantic glasses? Yes. And he's meeting the Nazi guy? Yeah. With the monocle? Uh, I hate it. I hate it. I, I hate everything about this movie. The car chase where the car keeps breaking. Where it's so blatantly the stunt double. I hate when Bond's in the tube and they're trying to cut him up with the uh, the propeller. I hate um, that he gets one up on the Russian by giving her a weird tape and taking the actual tape away. That plot also went nowhere. Yeah. It's also the only other time we see Gogol. We we see him, because I noticed on rewatch last time, if you actually look at him sitting in the car, that's not the actor. That's a stand-in. But then when we are in the car, it's actually the actor. So yeah. Yeah. I think he shows up at the end Hmm. with Ed M's office. Oh yeah, because he wants to give a bond like an uh a thing. There's some sort of Soviet reward. Yeah. Like award for bravery or whatever. Yeah. It's just, so, I'm also reading, I'm reading Trigger Mortis right now. Mm -hmm. Which, I'm not liking that. Well, I'm liking the second half of it. After it stops being fanfiction. Yes, after Pussy Galore goes away, and he's fighting Smash. And they're blatantly Smash. Um, And, I always forget that Fleming hated the Russians. (laughs) Like, a lot. (laughs) The movies didn't want to do that. <laughs> so yep. when when he works with the Russians, it, even in the best of circumstances, it always throws me off. Mm-hmm. Like, Bond wouldn't do that. He doesn't like them. That's why uh, the Spy Who Loved Me novelization is so good, is he's finally like, I have to work with Smash, and it's specifically Smash. Even though that doesn't make a lot of sense that it's Smash... Smash had been disbanded in Fleming's continuity before that takes place. Hmm. Maybe they were they were in hiding. Or they came back. You know, it's fine. Okay. They also come back in the Gardener books. Well, Spectre comes back in the Gardener books with uh, mind control ice cream. So, like, anything's possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this, it's I, we get Q's stupid remote-controlled robot. Oh my god, yeah. That's the dumbest thing Q's... Co- that's that's saying something. There's been some dumb Q items, but why out of all of them does the dumb robot come back? I, You know what I prefer? The couch that eats you. That it may the, be useful. That might be useful. I think that's... What one is that in? Is that Living Daylights? Yeah, that, that yeah, that's Living Daylights. Yeah. Or the the Ghetto Blaster, which is that super, thing is awesome. It's and awesome. They, that deserves his own movie. Yeah. But that's the dumbest Q gadget that ever. It's a remote it, control robot. It's like a toy that you can buy. In a and store. it goes through the cat door. Because, oh yeah, the, the Bond girl has a cat. 
mm-hmm. which is okay with shotgun blasts. When when Bond's fighting all those guys, that is one that I did laugh when he shoots all the guys with the shotgun, and he's like, and they all get back up. And he's like, "What do you have in this?" She's like, "Rock salt." <laughs> so they just all got bruises. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's a couple of decent jokes in here, but yeah. They're, they're so few and far between. What do you think about speaking of the Bond girl and her home? Remember when Bond made souffle? Yes, I hated it. I I, I hate all of their like we'll put in quotations love moments because they have no chemistry and she's kind of obnoxious. And James is James Bond is lying to her constantly to the point when she when he reveals that he's a British agent to the firefighters she's like what? and and then you're like what? this is the time for this? Mm -hmm. why don't you just go back to lying? because he's pretending to that's right he's pretending to be a news reporter Mm. when he's in San Francisco which doesn't work either. We have to talk about the quarry. Okay. Um, kind of a cool set. So Zorn's like going to flood Silicon Valley, and they're using this quarry to do it. Um, the Bond girl's like a size, mo- like she's like a geologist, which I don't buy that for a second it's like when christmas jones is a nuclear physicist i don't well uh, all right i buy her more as a geologist than denise richards being anything other than bad terrible acting eye candy (laughs) but this this is far-fetched because she does nothing really geologist related isn't she the one who at the end shows like the map and it's like, oh, so this is Zorin's plan. He's gonna flood Silicon Valley. Yes. But Bond does half of that dialogue. Yep. And we have all of the uh, Zorin just doesn't give a crap about anyone, which is pretty funny. That's his best scene in the movie, I think. When he's just murdering the people there. Yeah, and he's like taking... He's he's doing it himself, mm-hmm. and they're they're gutting people down there trying to escape the flooding. Um, Allison Duty has her best acting moment in this of sheer horror when the, the she gets killed in the flood. <laughs> they're flooding the tunnels, and then um, Mayday ends up. She has she sacrifices herself with the. Uh, the minecart with the bomb. Yeah, because she switched sides. We got a redemption arc. Yes. Which doesn't work at all. Okay, Jaws did it better. Yes. A lot of things did it better, but she saw all of her female um, friends were all drowned. (laughs) That were clearly... They were clearly not dummies in the water mm-hmm. and then and then we have the blimp fight which Bond jumps onto a blimp oh wait wait first we have to talk about uh, Donna's mom from that 70s show getting kidnapped by uh, Christopher Walken because he's approaching her from behind with the blimp ultra slowly it should be loud and she doesn't notice anything <laughs> and he's just coming up behind her and just takes her she notices nothing. Uh, they have the fight, and Bond's hanging off the blimp, and then the blimp gets tangled in the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, and that's when they have the final fight? Mm-hmm. And Christopher Walken is, like, fighting with an axe? Yes. Which I think Quantum of Solace tried to pay homage to. <laughs> that also has a fight with it, a fire axe. Oh, yeah. Let's pay homage to our favorite movie. I mean, well, it was an action scene in the air. So yes. it makes sense why Mark Forster would like it so much. Yes, and uh, Daniel Craig is a big Roger Moore fan. Mm. Right, I... he did the alligator reference in Skyfall and uh, you know, kicking <laughs> kicking the car in No Time to Die. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is one of the few times I'll say Quantum of Solace did it better. <laughs> that fight actually looks good. <laughs> Quantum of Solace. I, I say looks good. I think it's edited terribly, but that's all American action scenes, in my opinion. It's edited fine. It doesn't look like an elderly man and a man that doesn't do fighting are fighting one another. With On a green screen. On a, a, no, it wasn't a green... They didn't have green screens yet. It was a blue uh, screen. Yeah, but blue screen. Um, because it looks terribly composited. Mm-hmm. And That's also they... when uh, when Christopher Walken he's about to fall from the bridge, you know, in the water to his death, yeah. and we get his Nazi adoptive dad <laughs> screaming at him. Yes, and then he tries to avenge him by getting some dynamite or something, and he accidentally blows the blimp up. Yes, it leaves Bond and Donna's mom on top of the Golden Gate Bridge. And then they have weird shower sex, and that's the end of. The oh, that's episode. the after credit scene because uh, Q uses his toy robot to spy on them, having a shower yeah, the, together. Yeah, it goes through the cab door. Yeah, and with that, we end. We know the, the end of Roger Moore's tenure. Yes, and I hate it. I hate it because that joke's already been done so many times with Q spying on Bond having sex. Yeah, Octopussy did a nice twist on it. Yeah, well, Q wasn't spying on them. Yeah, that's why it was nice. It was something different. Yeah, I mean, we had it in Spy You Love Me, mm-hmm. Moonraker... For your eyes only, although I, I hate the Margaret Thatcher stuff because I think it's dated. It's the only thing dated in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was different, but we're just going back to lazy form. Yep. And this is just one of the worst Bond movies ever. Like yeah. we've, we've that, said that, it many times. That's the theme of this movie. Let's just do the stuff again. It's going through the motions. Yes, yes. Because you can tell there was a point with even Moonraker. Okay, we want another James Bond movie. We have an idea. Star Wars is big. Let's do space. Let's get then the next one. Let's get back on track. Realistic spy thriller for you guys only. Mm-hmm. After that, okay, let's do this again, but with more fun elements and adventurous film, you know, octopus. Bigger, make it bigger. Make it bigger, bigger, more epic because it's the Battle of the Bonds as well. But then this one, it's like, okay, let's make another one. What do we have? Christopher Walken, mm-hmm. Grace Jones, and microchips. Yeah. And, and the whole thing is, it's clear they were looking for another Bond for the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, we can, we'll talk about it here a little bit, which is, it was, they wanted Pierce Brosnan at this point. Um, they didn't get Pierce Brosnan. But the, that was what they were trying for. And they ended up with Dalton. But you'll notice that the next film also feels like it could have been a Roger Moore movie. Because they always had that option to bring Moore back. Because he had a fairly okay relationship with the Broccoli's. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as hateful as Sean Connery's <laughs> relationship with them. I think he had the worst relationship with them out of any of the actors. Yeah, between him and I think Brosnan is a close second. Lazenby is also pretty bad, but yeah. Craig. Craig's was kind of he, tenuous too. He got he be, he got the best relationship. He became a producer. Well they and I, got his was... will. You know, every wish, everything he wanted, he got to die finally. As Bond, he got to murder the character. Because Barbara Broccoli is such a fan of Craig. You know, he's he's the best she Bond. bent over backwards, though. That took a lot, because he was done after her Spectre. Mm-hmm. Remember, that was his end, the end? Well, I think Skyfall was also kind of the end, too. Yep. Because it was took so long to get even get Skyfall off the ground. Oh yeah, but I think that's more behind because of more behind the scenes problems again, which is a 
recurring trend with the franchise. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to the real bad behind the scenes stuff yet. Hmm. We're about to get there <laughs> um, with with the issues. Um, yeah, but you know what's funny? I want to bring this up. The reason Roger Moore quit, and he's quoted as saying this, uh, apparently when he had his scene with Tanya Roberts, uh, Donna's mom from that 70s show, her mother came to set one day, you know, to visit her. And Roger realized he was older than her mother. Yeah. And that's that when he was like, oh my God, I have to stop this. Yeah, that makes sense. And he was only doing it for the fans. Mm -hmm. He seemed, I, I will say this, he seemed to be the only one kind of caring. Yeah, his... he, he tries. He has his funny moments in this. Yeah. It's just his face, sadly. It's just, he's too old. It's just it happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. That's why uh, Sylvester Stallone's not the lead in Expendables Four. He's just too old. Um, but anyway, let's rank all of the Roger Moore films. I'll start with my. Do you want to go first with your your worst one, and then I go with my worst one and go. Okay, so there's uh, six of these, seven of these, uh, seven. Okay. Oh, yeah, seven. Okay, worst one, view to a kill. Agreed. That's also my worst one. And we just talked about why. So that's seven. Six would be Moonraker. Yes, yeah, same. Yeah, it's I don't hate stupid. it, but yeah. it's a stupid movie. I didn't hate it as much as this. I blocked most of this out completely. I didn't remember half of it. Yeah, the one thing That's... you can say about Moonraker, it's not boring. No, no, but there's a lack of violence into, from Bond. Bond doesn't kill anyone hmm. in Moonraker. Oh, well, I think he kills the main villain. Yeah. He never shoots his gun, ever. He never fires at anyone. Um, so. But yeah, it, like, but like I said earlier. It, has, it gets eaten by dogs. The most brutal scene in the franchise. Yeah, that's pretty flipping bad. Yeah, but it also has the better uh, villain henchman redemption arc for Jaws. Yes. yes. Um, oh yeah, so that's Moonraker's number six. Number five would be the man with the golden gun. Okay, yeah, that's where I put it too. Yeah, and that, this was tough for me because I I think that Moore's first two films are kind of interchangeable in quality. Mm -hmm. uh, but the big thing with Man with the Golden Gun that stands out is Christopher Lee. For sure, because he overshadows uh, Roger Moore. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of an issue. Yeah. Um, but I think they're, they're fighting, they're them facing off at the end is really fun. Mm -hmm. It's also, it was my first time ever seeing Roger Moore as Bond. It was the second or third Bond movie I ever saw. Mm, nice. Um, but the karate fight's terrible. It's really funny, but it's terrible. Also, the gi they put on Roger Moore is too small. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I got what it is like. Oh, he's too tall for this. We'll just put it on him anyway. No one's gonna know. Um. So then, so that was five. Yeah, four would be live and let die. Yeah. I give this one the edge because it has a better villain ensemble cast, and they don't necessarily overshadow Roger Moore in this. Yes, and Yafayette Coda, although it has the terrible mask. The mask and at the end when he inflates. Yes. But yeah, it's just too much fun. And him and his entire crew of bad guys, just too good. Music's a little better too than it is in Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. so that's four. Now the top three was difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Number three would be The Spy Who Loved Me. Same. Okay. Let's, let's talk about this because this was tough. Mm. I've been thinking about this for weeks now, and this was tough with the top three. Um, would you like to go first? No, please. Go ahead. Okay. 
Uh, for me, um, this is one of the better Bond teams up with a bunch of people at the end, teams up with an army, which is not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Bond has big adventures and stuff, but this is the last one that's good. It's not the last one, now that I think about it, because Moonraker does it, but in space, and it looks terrible. But this is the one I think looks the best. It even looks better than Thunderbolt. Mm. All scuba divers fighting. I think that's just ridiculous. I know that's from the book, but it's just, it's goofy. I think this uh, is the last, like, ultra big one. Yeah. That, that, pe- that people also think of when you think, like, the big epic Bond movies. Spy Who Loved Me is usually the one. Yeah. Uh, and the, the theme, it's thematic with, the, with Russia and Britain teaming up to take on someone. The Cold War thaws a bit, you know. And, mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I don't like those. I don't prefer that over like standard Bond adventures where it's like lower stakes, but it's high stakes, but it's lower stakes. It's not the world isn't in danger, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that, is that similar to your reasoning behind it? Similar, yeah. I mean, I like it. And like I said, I, I do think this is the best out of the, the entire world is in danger. Like, we can compare it to Moonraker or You Only Live Twice, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I kind of miss this type of Bond movie. And I actually wish it would come back. Yes. We kind of, they tried to do it with No Time to Die, I guess. They tried to do it with Die Another Day. Hmm. Like, but that failed miserably. Yeah, it, it, every time they try to do this, they just think, oh, that's too cheesy, and they back away, and then it arguably becomes worse, in my opinion. Yeah, like in No Time to Die, like the stuff we liked, it's like the Cyclops and the Spectre meeting with the eyeball. Yeah. Go, go a bit cheesy, just do it. Yes. I had completely forgotten about the Cyclops guy. His death <laughs> was pretty funny. Too, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think he's the best henchman in the Craig era. Well, it's him or Batista. I mm. do like the Batista fight in Spectre. That might be the only thing I like about Spectre. Um, but um, what was the? So number two. Number two. Okay, let me say it. It's <sighs> controversial. We may differ here. And this could change, you know, one and two could change any day, depending on my mood. My number two, for you eyes only. Okay, mine's Octopussy. There you go. So why, what what was the deciding factor? The deciding factor for me was just my personal fun factor. Because for you eyes only, obviously, is great. It's a great down-to-earth spy thriller. Great performances. Great story, great Bond girl, great villains. All around, it's just a solid movie. Looks good, sounds good. I just really enjoy it. Okay, it's just really well made. And just big cause correction after Moonraker. Mm -hmm. Like, you wouldn't even believe these are in the same franchise if you watch them back to back. Yes. But, so yeah, that's all the reasons why it's my number two. Like I said, great. And I think it's just... If I had to recommend people a Roger Moore movie... It's either this or Spy Who Loved Me. Okay. But yeah, I think this is Moore's best performance as Bond. So I chose Octopussy at number two. It was really tough. This this top three was really tough to do. Um, Octopussy was the most surprising. I didn't remember this movie at all. I said that in the previous episodes. Mm -hmm. I didn't remember this at all, which turns out I don't remember it, didn't remember a view to a kill either, and it was kind of shocking how bad it was. Um, but this this one, I thought it was going to be not as good as The Spy Who Loved Me. And I was wrong. Um, we get we get some awesome female characters in this, like a whole band of like thieves that all that, that kick ass and stuff. That's fun. Um, Q has a blimp. No, he, he has a hot air balloon, which is yep. hilarious. There's some really fun stuff in this. Uh, the whole Bond being hunted. He's running through the jungle. Mm. Yeah. It, and the entire, you know, 
being in India, a great mm -hmm. place for adventures, just a good setting. Good side yeah. characters like VJ. Yes. The yurt chase is fun. Um, the train fight's fun. Everything's fun. But I had to, I ranked it lower because my number one, I'll, I'll get into why mm -hmm. I have it as number one. But let's, your number one's Octopussy. My number one is Octopussy. This is the movie I think I've watched the most. And it was a surprising hit for me. Uh, because when I first watched the Bond movies, I got them all on DVD. And I just watched through them all, mostly like in, you know, publishing order, how they came out. Uh, but the Roger Moore mo movies, after Moonraker, I kind of stopped for a while. And I was like, do I want to continue? Mm -hmm. And then I just jumped into like the Dalton and Brosnan stuff first. But then I went back. Mm -hmm. And For You Eyes Only was already great. And then I got to Octopussy, which I didn't have any expectations. And it just blew me away. This is the movie, if it's like a rainy Saturday, you're stuck at home, you want to watch something fun, you know, a fun adventure. Octopussy, it just delivers. And only on watching it the first time, I realized that's the first Bond movie I've ever seen, technically. Because I remember as a small child on TV, flickering through the channels and landing on the scene where Bond is talking to Octopussy, the character. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so that was a nice discovery as well. I don't think you mentioned that in the pre the episode. Hmm. When we reviewed it, I don't I don't recall that. I mean, my my first one was "You Only Live Twice." It's because I liked ninjas, so my dad put it on, and I was enthralled by a volcano fortress. Hmm. Um, but yeah, my number one is for your eyes only. It's in my top five best. Bond movies ever. Um, it really just shows that this is the same Bond, that code theory is not a thing. Yeah. Uh, this is the man that married Tracy. Mm -hmm. And he's getting older. You know, he takes, uh, kills Blofeld in the beginning. He wraps things up and then he sees this Bond girl that wants revenge and he's like, don't do it. It didn't. I don't feel any better about this. I don't. I don't feel even. I don't feel anything. And he's just. He's been there. You know. And it's. It's some good Bond characterization before the Craig era deconstructed the whole character. Yeah. You know. I think it was pretty progressive for the time. It's brutal in the right ways. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, has fun Roger Moore stuff. It's a perfect balance. Yeah. Oh, and the plot is very, you know, down to earth, simple, and with a great ending. With uh, what's his name, Goggle? No, I'm forgetting it. Yes. One of the best moments just in the franchise. Mm -hmm. it's, it was. It was nice. Yeah, like like I said, that's why it's so hard between Octopussy and For Yours Only. And I think Octopussy is slept on. I think that's legitimately the most underrated Bond movie. People write it off like way too easily. But for you guys only, it had kind of a renaissance among fans. Yeah. I, th I think so. So anyway, that was our end. At the end of an era, but we're about to start the beginning of a Short-lived, but very, very good era mm. with uh, Timothy Dalton. Join us next time as we record The Living Daylights. So, have a good one. Goodbye.